Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Hi everybody, welcome. It's Thursday afternoon and that means it is Fresh Thinking time. We're a little bit out of practice, right? We haven't had Fresh Thinking for a couple of weeks. Circumstances, to be honest, that uh, were unexpected, but that's how it goes. So it's great to be back and great to be with you. Of course, you do know, I'm sure you know, that Rosh Hashanah is very much just around the corner. So that's got to be on everybody's minds. Let's do something a little different as part of this show. Let's do this. How's about if you have somebody who you would like to give a Shana Tova shout out to? So send us a message. Send a text on 34519 or telegram 0618951019 or tweet at Chai FM or me at Rabashish or use the Chai FM Facebook page and send out a Shana Tova message. How's about it? Spread some cheer and some blessings at this time of the year. In fact, not only is Rosh Hashanah around the corner, it's actually 12 days to go. Seeing as today is the 18th of El, and that's a special day. I'd like to talk about that. That's actually what we're going to speak about today. For those of you who have ever experienced it, and if you have, if you have, let me know. If you've ever experienced what we call a fabrengen, you know what a fabrengen is? It's a very Chabad term. It's become much more mainstream in recent years. But a fabrengen is essentially where people get together without all of the formalities and without all of the uh, protocols that very often get in the way of people's interactions. And you sing, you share thoughts, you, uh, what else do you do? You engage each other in a very personal way so that you, you know, kind of confront issues that people tend to shy away from. And you dig deep. The idea of a fabrengen is to dig deep. It's almost an experience to get in touch with your soul over a little bit of snack and a lachaim or two. It's usually, usually a very joyous experience. Now, the special dates on the calendar, on the Hasidic calendar, which are more inclined to fabrengen, better designed for fabrengen. In other words, there's a good reason to have a fabrengen because something special has happened. If something special has happened, that means that we have an opportunity to turn the occasion into an opportunity for growth, for spirituality, for connection, for whatever, you know, blessing, even just simply blessing each other. So certain days on the calendar that kind of stand out more as days to fabreng, that's the verb, to fabreng, to engage each other in a very personal way, looking for something that is not just meaningful, but hopefully life-altering. Today being the 18th of Elul, well, that's what we should be doing. We should be enjoying a fabrengen together. So a little different style, perhaps, to what we normally do. I'll explain, obviously, what the significance of this date is. And that will launch us into our virtual fabrengen experience that we can have over here. So if you're familiar and if you've uh, done the fabrengen experience, you've done the fabrengen circuit in your life, well, then if that's the case, raise a virtual lechaim because Fabregans are always punctuated with a lot of lechaim, wishing people blessings. 
Lechayim velivrocha. You know, wishing a person a blessing. So here's an opportunity. Raise a virtual glass and send a virtual lechayim to 34519 with a brocha, with a blessing for somebody. Somebody perhaps who has had a rough year, somebody who's lost a person, God forbid, due to the pandemic, somebody who's going through financial distress, somebody who's not well, or just somebody who could do with a little bit of brocha in their life. Yeah, as we go towards Rosh Hashanah, as we gear up for the new year and we really, really want God to bless us, well, as we very well know, God treats us in the way that we treat others. So if we extend and shower others with blessings, that's the best way to open ourselves up to receive blessings. It's a very interesting principle in spirituality that people who hold on to things because they're afraid that they may lose them usually land up with less than those who are willing to share and create flow. When we share blessings, we create flow. As the blessings go from us to others, as we wish them the best, so simultaneously, blessings also flow back towards us. So, a great way to prepare ourselves for Rosh Hashanah, which is just 12 days away, is to extend blessing to each other. Wish each other well. Say a virtual l'chaim as we go through our virtual fabrengen. For some of you, this must be old hat. And for some of you, this might be, what is he talking about? Never even heard that word before. What exactly does it mean? It's a coming together in spirit. It's a connection that extends beyond space and in a certain regard, even beyond time. It's an opportunity to speak real. It's an opportunity to be nostalgic. It's an opportunity to dig into our wonderful Jewish history, particularly the history that might be associated with a special date that the Fabrengen is supposed to represent, and learn from it. What can it teach us? What could we discover in this particular special date? So that's where we'll begin our journey today. I'll start off. To everybody who is listening, I want to wish you that, please God, this year should be a year filled with blessing. It should be a year that rebounds from whatever difficulties we've experienced over the last 12 to 18 months with compensation of blessing that is so big that you turn around and say, wow, I never expected that that could happen. Never expected that it could be that good. And that we should be able to enjoy it with a sense of tranquility, with a sense of peace of mind, and of course, in good health. So what is today that makes it so special that put me onto this discussion, onto this trajectory of, uh, you know, let's fabring. What is today? What happens today? The 18th of the month. Well, everybody knows. I don't have to tell you this. Everybody knows that 18 is a special number in Judaism, right? You know that. Why is 18 the special number in Judaism? Well, many of you will just simply look at what's hanging around your neck, which is often a golden chai, and that's what 18 is. It's the number associated with chai. Chai is life, and if there's anything that we as Jewish people love and embrace, it is life itself. That's why we have so many rules around life, the preservation of life, the primacy of life, because we really, really take life seriously and we really celebrate life and we do everything in our power to protect life. But in addition to that, chai, life doesn't just simply mean life. It means alive. Now, of course, that sounds like a little bit of tautology, right? Well, obviously, if we're talking about life, then surely it also means alive. But it's a little bit more than that, you see, because in any system, you could have all of the pieces in place within that system, and the system could remain dead. We know this all too well, for example, when there's load shedding. 
So everything is there. You've got all these wonderful appliances and gadgets, computers, the internet, whatever it is. And then there's no electricity and nothing is alive. Nothing works. Nothing functions. Literally, nothing is alive. That's what Chai means. Chai means that you take what already exists and you make it alive. So today is the 18th day of the month of Elul, which in Hebrew we call Chai Elul. That means whatever the theme of this month is supposed to be about, and it's a very powerful month, and perhaps you are willing to share with everybody else. Maybe you'll tell us what is the theme or what are the core themes of this month. Let's see. Let's see uh, what everybody comes up with. Maybe share that. What are the core themes of this month? Because today is the day that brings it all to life. You know, perhaps we've been working through the stages of Elul over the last 18 or 17 days until today. And today is the day to bring it to life, to take out that project that you've been working on for so long, unveil it and flip the switch, turn it on, and all the lights start to flash and the cogs start to move and the pulleys start to pull, and suddenly the whole thing is alive. So it's a very significant date for us as a Jewish nation because Elul is a very significant month, the last month of our calendar year, the month of spiritual introspection, the month of preparation for Rosh Hashanah and by extension the new year. Today is the day that brings all of that to life. So we need to think about that. What does that mean? What is the significance of the state? What could we learn from it? What could we do with the power of the state. And it's all going to begin with a story, a story about the historical relevance of the state and why it's such a significant date on the Hasidic calendar, specifically the Chabad calendar. So I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your L'chaim. Wish a L'chaim to somebody who you think could really do with a blessing in their life this coming year. Send yours on 34519 if you're using SMS. Otherwise, on Telegram on 0618951019. Or social media. Always seems to work. Although it is a bit quiet today. No? Share a bracha with somebody. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. And today we're talking about freshening up the month of Elul. <laughs> Pumping it full of life. Today is Chai, the 18th. The day that makes this month come alive. So let's talk a little bit about it. In the style of the classic Fabrengen. Fabrengen meaning a less formal study experience. The sharing of anecdotes, the insight into spirituality, the challenge to try and change and better ourselves. That's really what a Fabrengen is. Today is a special day, not only because it is Chai, the day that offers the opportunity to enliven, to excite, to illuminate, to uh, ramp up our Elul experience. Today has a very interesting history to it. And that history, for the purposes of our conversation, obviously any date on the Jewish calendar, will always have many elements associated with it. But our story today is going to take us back to 1698. On this date, the 18th of Elul, 1698, a young child was born to a couple called Reb Eliezer and his wife Sarah. And they called him Yisrael. Now that's significant because of course Yisrael is the Hebrew word for Israel and Israel is the collective noun for the Jewish people in addition obviously to being the name of our homeland. That when parents name their child, they do so with a sense of divine inspiration. 
So you've probably been through this, right? You know what it is, agonizing over what should we name our child? Should we name the child after this family member? Should we name the child this name which we love? Should we, etc. And it's totally common for parents who are expecting a child to spend a lot of time researching, discussing, and possibly even debating the name of the child. And then, you may have had this experience, I know I certainly have, the child is born, take one look at the baby and say, you know what? This child just does not look like a in the blank of whatever particular name it is that you thought you were going to give that child. That's the moment of this divine inspiration. I mean, there are various ways that obviously that it could manifest, but the idea is that when we give a Jewish name to a Jewish child, that is not done independently. That's done with divine intuition. So the fact that this Rebbe Yezer and his wife Sarah named their child Yisrael subsequently landed up being very insightful. Because this child grew to become a very famous personality in the Hasidic dynasty. In fact, the founder of the entire Hasidic movement, Rabbi Yisrael, the Baal Shem Tov. That's how everybody knows him, the Baal Shem Tov, which is maybe a little bit of a slurred version of how to say it. Baal Shem Tov, the one who carries a good name, as opposed to Baal Shem Tov, which is how we say it colloquially, but then sometimes you just get, you lose a little bit of the meaning in our pronunciation. So the Baal Shem Tov, the individual who earned a, a reputation throughout society of a good name. So that's the first event that colors today, that makes today a special day on our calendar, the 18th of Elul, is the fact that this is the date of the birth of Rabbi Yisrael, who subsequently became the Baal Shem Tov and founded the Hasidic movement. So that's something to dig around in and say, so, so, what if I'm not a Hasid? What if I'm not an adherent of the Hasidic movement? Why would that be significant in my world? That's something we're going to talk about. What is the impact that the Baal Shem Tov had on society, Jewish society, and beyond of course, they lived in a very different time, and I don't know if we relate really to what the Polish shtetl was really like and the rape and anti-Semitism that existed at that time, the poverty that was so common throughout the region, and sadly, one of the hardest things to deal with back in that period of our history, at least in Ashkenazi or Eastern European Jewry, was the sharp divide between the learned and the unlearned. So that's really, you know, that's, that's, that's something we have to explore because the Baal Shem Tov set out to tackle that divide and to bridge that chasm within the Jewish community. So that's, that's something that we uh, are going to talk about as well. But before I do that, I have to share this SMS that has just come through. You know, we're talking about raising a l'chaim and giving a blessing as we come up to Rosh Hashanah. And this has got to be one of the most incredible SMSs ever. I don't know if Kathy's listening, but Kathy, this sounds like something you should get onto your show as an interview. Here's somebody without their name who has sent an SMS to say, I recently tracked down my birth mother after 70 years. This is our first Rosh Hashanah together. Chills! Does that not give you chills up your spine? That is unbelievable. That is a real brocha. If you want to talk about bringing life into this time of the year, you hear a story like that, it's like, I want to hear more. I want to know the story. How did this happen? This is amazing. This should be like on TV. That is unbelievable. How beautiful a story is that? Please share yours as well. It doesn't have to be a story. It could just be a wish. It could just be a good wish to somebody in your family, in the community. 
maybe even just to the community at large. Wow. 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 What an SMS. So we're talking about the 18th of Elul and what the significance is. Starting off with a conversation about the birth of the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Israel Baal Shem Tov. And if you know the history, you understand that at that time the Jewish community was under all kinds of pressure from external and internal causes. Externally, there was the anti-Semitism they were dealing with. They were less than pretty much half a century after the horrible Chelnitsky uprising that wiped out tens of thousands of Jews in the, in Poland and surrounds. And they were living on borrowed time in a sense, you know, living off the goodwill of the local squire if he did or didn't allow you to run a business or own a piece of land, the high taxes that they often had to pay, the pogroms and Add to that the internal malfunction of the society, the haves and the have-nots, at least in spiritual terms or in intellectual terms, those who knew things and those who did not know things. And if you were ignorant in those days, you were pariah in the society. What's one of the big things that the Baal Shem Tov wanted to address? And he kind of revived the spirits of people who were so downtrodden. Remember, this is also not too long after the horrible debacle of Shabtai Tzvi, not long at all, actually. Shabtai Tzvi, who claimed to be messianic, who claimed that he was going to take the Jews back to Israel, who claimed that the horrors of the Chalnitsky uprising were just the final birth pangs of the coming of the Messiah, and everybody should follow him, and people did. They sold up everything they had. They followed him all the way to the land of Israel, which then was under the Ottoman Empire, where he converted and left his religion and, of course, left all his followers completely stranded. So it was a very depressed community that the Baal Shem Tov came to, much like a person who is lying unconscious and needs to somehow be aroused and, and awakened, which is why it's quite relevant that his name should be Yisrael, Israel. You see, when somebody faints, the first thing that you do is you call their name, you call their name, you call their name, because that's what's going to stimulate them. That's what's going to wake them up. And it feels almost as if, this individual came into the Jewish world with the name representing the entire Jewish people as if God was saying, okay, here, here, here's the way that I'm going to call your name. Here's the way that I'm going to help you to wake yourselves up. Here's the way that I'm going to help you to get, you know, to rise out of this reverie. That's effectively what the Baal Shem Tov set out to do. And it's really an interesting story, by the way. I don't know how much people know the story of the Baal Shem Tov. It is a really interesting story. Story. If you've just joined us, it's halfway through. You're with Rabbi Shishla on Fresh Thinking until just before three o'clock today. And it's a special day on the Jewish calendar, so we're talking about that in the style of the classic Hasidic Fabrengen, which is you tell a story, you share a thought. Uh, perhaps we should actually sing, because that's usually what you do at a Fabrengen. Although Craig will probably kick me off if I start singing. And the reason is because today is the 18th of Elul. Significant date in the Hasidic world and by extension in the Jewish world, starting with the fact that in 1698, this is the day of the birth of the Baal Shem Tov, subsequently founder of the Hasidic movement. So let's talk a little bit about him. I don't know how much you know about the Baal Shem Tov and about his story. So here's some interesting anecdotes that I think would just shed light on where the Hasidic movement comes from. Probably one of the most significant things to know about the Baal Shem Tov is the fact that he lost both of his parents at a very young age. By the age of five, he was already orphaned of both parents. Now, I don't know that they had systems as we have today with an Arcadia where you can take, God forbid, a child who needs uh, some kind of foster care. It was a shtetl, you know, and it, it, you can imagine he was very much left to his own devices. Now, before the Baal Shem Tov passed away, 
His father, literally lying on his deathbed, called him over and said, there are two principles in life that you need to remember for your entire life. And the reason that this is an important story is because it came to define two of the core principles that the entire Hasidic movement are built on. It's interesting because there are way too many people out there who think, oh, Hasidim, those are the happy clappers, right? Those are the people who just, while everybody else is being really serious because Rosh Hashanah is coming and we're sitting sackcloth and ashes and trying to repent. These are the guys who are downing a and singing and dancing. So you get the sense sometimes that the entire Hasidic movement is just built on frolicking around as if you don't have a worry in the world. Now, while Simcha is a very core principle of the Hasidic movement, what's fascinating about this particular story with the young Reb Yisrael and his father is that it shows us two of the core principles of what Hasidism is all about, what Hasidus is all about, and it's far deeper than just saying, hey, we're going to sing a dance because everything's going to be fine. So here he is lying on his deathbed. He's got his young child at his side. He calls him over and he says, Israel, I have to tell you two things, two things that should be your guiding principles for your whole life. Number one, number one, fear nothing, Fear no one outside of God. So if you want to look at all that joy and simcha that is so typical of the Hasidic world, this is the reason behind it. It's not because, you know, what are these guys on? Well, I, I want some of what they are having. There's a very deep message behind this. And the message is because there's nothing to be afraid of in the world except for God himself. And God is not fearful, right? And not something to be afraid of. So therefore we can actually be happy and we can be upbeat and we can be optimistic. The second principle that he taught him was love every Jew with all your heart and soul, no matter who they are. And that became the defining reality of the Baal Shem Tov. Because if you're familiar with the history, the history for centuries before the Baal Shem Tov, and it's funny because we live now some 300 years later. So we take some of these things for granted and think, oh, Judaism was always this way. No, it wasn't. For centuries, there was no such concept as a Jewish leader, a teacher or a rabbi going out to engage fellow Jews. The attitude was very much, I'll establish my center of gravity, my yeshiva, my academy, my synagogue, my shul. And then anybody who's looking for the Lord, anybody who's looking for inspiration, anybody who's looking to learn about their heritage, doors open. These are our hours of operation, nine to five, six days a week, come in and we'll happily educate you. And those sages in the 16th, 15th century who did in fact travel around, and there were sages who traveled around, there were two reasons usually why they did so. The first reason was because they had students who had graduated their academies who now lived in other places, and so they went to check in on them. And the other reason that they would travel around is because it's part of the spiritual process that sometimes you leave home and you go to an environment that is foreign or perhaps even hostile, and you you feel the pain and the difficulty and the challenge of being outside of your comfort zone, and that assists you to be able to grow and develop spiritually but the notion of people especially great scholars and sages and pious individuals reaching out traveling around engaging the so-called simple jew and bringing them back to their heritage that was pretty much unheard of before the Baal Shem Tov. so this concept of love every single person doesn't matter who they are that was very unique that was revolutionary this was a time where people were graded if you knew, if you were learned, 
you were held in higher regard. If you didn't know and you were ignorant, you were held in lower regard. And later in life, the Baal Shem Tov would totally upset that apple cart and give tremendous time, energy, and focus to these really simple people. In fact, later on, when the Baal Shem Tov was a leader of the Hasidic movement, he attracted, so there were those people who were quite skeptical and said, ah, look, look who's there, all the simple folk, that's who's there, you know, the water carriers, the cobblers, those are the people hanging out of the Baal Shem Tov, the real scholars, those are the ones who are sitting bent over the great tomes of Talmud for hours and hours on end. Truth is, that was not the case. The truth is that some of the very great scholars from all over the region became adherents of the Baal Shem Tov. Maybe most notably would be Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Polnoya, who became the, the author of what's called the Sefer Hafloa, very recognized work of Jewish law. Or Rabbi Dov Ber, the Maggid of Mezrich, who was a tremendous scholar and initially a great skeptic of the Hasidic movement and subsequently became its next leader. And various others, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Horodok, who led an entire Jewish community from Poland and Russia to Israel, reestablished a, an entire settlement, uh, not just in the classic sense, you know, of, um, of kibbutz, but in the sense of a healthy Jewish community. Rabbi Menachem Nochem of Chernobyl, it's interesting because we think of Chernobyl and you just think of nuclear disaster, not realizing that once upon a time there was a great Hasidic movement there. Reb Zevolf Kitsis, Reb Pinchas Koretzer, very, very great individuals, all of whom were in the inner circle of the Baal Shem Tov. And what he did with all of them, he charged all of them with the job of getting out of town and going to a community and helping to bolster that community. It's very interesting. When the Baal Shem Tov himself was a young person, probably in his teens, he took a job. And his job was to be a teacher's assistant in a preschool. So basically those were the kids who were taken to school and they had to learn the, the letters of the alphabet and pronunciation. Like really, really simple stuff. And that's where he began his career. So it, it fits the theme, right? The theme is you reach out, you touch everybody. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter how much they know. Every person deserves your attention. That is one of the cornerstone principles of the Hasidic movement. If you've got a thought, if you would like to share a um, an insight, a brocha to somebody ahead of Rosh Hashanah. Go ahead, do that. We would love to share it here on air three four five one nine. Otherwise, by Telegram oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine or on social media. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Uh, we're talking today about Chai Elul, which is today's date, the eighteenth of Elul. Sharing a little bit about the fact that on this date, the Baal Shem Tov, founder of the Hasidic movement, was born and how he really brought a breath of fresh air in, in, in many respects to the Jewish world, prioritizing everybody <laughs> rather than to say, you know, we're going to have a hierarchy. We're going to have a caste system over here in the Jewish community it became this embracing space for everybody. That was. What makes this date special? Point number one, 1698, birth date of the Baal Shem Tov. Subsequently in 1745, on the same date and much to the Baal Shem Tov's absolute thrill and excitement, another individual was born. At the time, the Baal Shem Tov said, this is a brand new soul that has never entered this world before. The Baal Shem Tov gave him a tremendous amount of attention, at least to his family in, in advance of his birth. And shortly after his birth, and that was Rabbi Schneir Zalman, who we in the Hasidic world, in the Chabad world, call the Alter Rebbe, the founder of the Chabad movement. 
Now, there are so many stories about the, the Baal Shem Tov. There are so many stories about the Alter Rebbe. People often ask the question, so what, one second, what is the difference between Chabad and Hasidim? People often ask that question. And it's an interesting question because it's a fun, you can't really say there's a difference considering that Chabad is part of the broader Hasidic movement. So it wouldn't really make any sense to say what's the difference Perhaps the correct way to say it would be, what is the nuance? Where does each one fit in? So the Baal Shem Tov, who tried very hard to change the thinking and to a large extent succeeded, changed the thinking of many people around why we should be teaching more spiritual elements of Judaism because that speaks to the soul and it inspires people, especially people who feel that they're a little bit uh, disenfranchised in their Judaism. And why we need to prioritize every single person and not create a hierarchy that is exclusionary, various other principles. There was a lot of pushback. And one of the reasons that there was a lot of pushback to the Baal Shem Tov is because people were fearful. They had just come out of this horrible debacle of Shabtai Tzvi. And anybody who sounded different to normative Judaism sounded very dangerous. But over time, things settled and the Baal Shem Tov became accepted into mainstream society. And when he passed away, he was succeeded by Rabbi Dovber, the Maggid of Mezrich. At that time, the Baal Shem Tov had these very, very sagely, scholarly, pious students. And each one set up a particular stream of Hasidism. It's almost as if each one took one core pillar of the Baal Shem Tov's teachings and turned it into their central theme. And, and that's what differentiates one group of Hasidim from the next. What all of the groups of Hasidim tended to have in common was a tremendous emphasis on faith. Faith in God. Be joyous in whatever happens in your life because you can have faith in God. Everything will be fine. God has your back. Everything is going to turn out well. Tremendous emphasis on simcha, on joy. But those Hasidic branches didn't make their primary emphasis on teaching the principles of the Baal Shem Tov, the principles of Hasidus in a way that every person could really get to understand. They were, it, it was, it was premature. People were not ready for that yet. And so the next generation, the Maggid of Mezrich was a tremendous strategist and managed to develop the Hasidic movement in a fantastic way, consolidate communities, create a very strong leadership structure. One of his students was Rabbi Shneir Zalman. They used to nickname him the Litvak, the Lithuanian, because he was, of all the Hasidic masters, the one who landed up being the Hasidic community in Lithuania. He was of that uh, origin. And so the Maggid of Mezrich gave him a, a slightly different task, a slightly different emphasis to everybody else. And the emphasis was to develop a principled way in which you could teach mysticism to people. Not mysticism as in Kabbalah, which is highly technical and really beyond the scope of most ordinary minds, but rather to teach mysticism as in the soul of Torah. As I started right at the beginning of the show, today is Chai. Chai means to be alive. So you can have all the pieces in the puddle, in the puzzle. <laughs> that was Freudian. All the pieces of the puzzle together, but until such time as you plug it in and switch it on, nothing really works. It's like having a body. And every limb in the body is there, but without a soul, the body is not worth a whole lot. And so what the purpose 
of Hasidus, and specifically the Chabad discipline within Hasidus, is to bring it all to life. Bring it all to life. And the best way that you bring spiritual concepts to life is you put people in touch with spirituality. Because as long as it's just spoken about in whispers, and as long as it's left very abstract, it's quite difficult for anybody to relate to it. It's quite difficult for anybody to truly understand it. And it's certainly difficult to expect that it's going to stimulate or inspire anybody. But when you can speak about things in clear terms, in an encyclopedic way, when you can take deep philosophical, spiritual issues... And you can present them, present them in a way that is logical, present them in a way that is understandable, present them in a way that becomes tangible. Suddenly people say, hey, I can work this out. I can understand this. I can I can learn this information. And we all know from our own experience that anything that you can learn and that you can truly come to understand, anything that you can really appreciate in a very personal way, that's the kind of thing that starts to influence your life. That's the kind of thing that starts to impact you. The last thing that we want in Judaism is that the deep spiritual messages around Judaism, like the power of the soul, like the nature of God, like the, the process of how creation works, the last thing we want in Judaism is that all of that should remain question mark in most people's minds because then I don't have a personal relationship. Then I don't really connect with God. Then I don't really feel that it's real to me. And the objective of Hasidus and more specifically of Chabad philosophy within Hasidus, to make all that stuff real to us. So just imagine for a second. Imagine for a second that you were debating with somebody whether or not it is daytime now. Well, that would be a little bit of a ridiculous debate, right? Who in their abstract mind, who is, who is so out of touch with reality that you have to debate them to tell them that it's daytime now? Because it's clear, you know it. So there's no debate. You just go about doing what you have to do during the day because you can tell that it's the day. And that's exactly what Chabad Hasidus was designed to do. To allow us to, to know things with clarity about our own spirituality, about our own souls, about our purpose in this world, about what the Torah and mitzvahs are really all about, about God himself. So that, so that our Judaism would not feel like a laundry list of responsibilities, but would feel like a long series of invitations to deep connection. That's why it's quite appropriate that we should commemorate these people on this day, this day of being alive. Chai Edel. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, so we could talk about this for a very long time because you can imagine there's a lot of history, there's a lot of philosophy. It's a fascinating part of Judaism, the whole story of Hasidim how Hasidim came to be, how the Hasidic movement developed, and what its core principles are. Let's say this for today. The month of Elul, which we're currently in, is supposed to be a time of introspection. It's supposed to be a time of reflection. It's supposed to be the time where, you know that word, because it always comes up at this time of the year, and it brings with it a whole lot of guilt. We're supposed to do Teshuva, which some will translate as repentance, and a healthier translation is return to God. And we're preparing ourselves for Rosh Hashanah because unlike in some other cultures, for us, the new year is an extremely serious time. It's a time where we know that things hang in the balance, where God is deciding exactly what's going to play out in the coming year. And we need to play our cards right in order to be aligned with the greatest blessings for the coming year. So it's a serious time. For many people, they look in the mirror, conceptually, at this time, doing this introspection and thinking, Whoa, 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 hang on a second. I don't think I'm where I need to be. I don't think I'm as 
connected as I should be. I think God might have something on me. He might be a little disappointed. I'm not sure if I'm going to line myself up with the blessings for the coming year. And then we get anxious. It becomes this horrible cocktail of anxiety and guilt, neither of which is really healthy for spiritual development. And Chai Elul comes along and says, no, 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 no. Take that experience and make it come alive. Recognize this. Uh, I heard somebody put it very well that there were two fellows walking down the street. And one turns to the other and says, you know, I'm very nervous about Elul. It's the time we're coming up for Rosh Hashanah and God is going to judge us. And you know what it's like to stand in a court case and stand before the judge. Who do, who knows how things are going to pan out? The other fellow who was a chassid, he's, he's quite nonchalant. In fact, he's, he's quite uh, happy, quite optimistic. But he says to him, how can you be so happy? He says, what do you mean? The judge is my father. That's how you bring it alive. You make this whole experience, whether it be the experience of preparing for Rosh Hashanah, whether it be the experience of Rosh Hashanah, we make it alive by learning just a layer deeper and saying, hang on a second. It's not like there's some kind of bad blood between God and us and he's waiting to catch us out because we may have done something wrong. We're his children and he's invested himself in our soul and he wants our success and he wants our connection even more than we do. And that's what brings us to life. That's the greatness of this day, the day that marks the beginning of that particular insight, that particular philosophy within Torah coming to light. So, something to think about. Illuminate your life, illuminate somebody else's life today. Spread blessing, spread kindness, share something uplifting with somebody else, especially if you know they're going through a difficult time. And be kind enough to yourself to say, I am alive, my soul is alive. So I've done some things I shouldn't have done. I'll get over it because my soul is alive. I want to wish you a wonderful Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.